Get ready to challenge conventional beliefs about what's possible in creating health, wealth, and happiness. You are listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. This hit show is providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. It is time to open and expand your awareness, accelerate your well-being as Megan shares wisdom, teachings, and experience from a lifelong journey of the heart. Enact the power of radical change with ease and lift your desires to a new perspective. Now, here's Playing on the Edge Radio. Wow. Wow. I just, I just want to keep saying wow. I want to keep saying wow today. I was just like, wow. wow. It's a wow day. It's a wow day. Megan, you know, this playing on the edge radio, this is a show you've created. And, you know, when I think about where we've been and where we are today, and I'm Dr. Pat, for those of you just tuning in, I get to share this with the most amazing Megan Edge, Radical Change with These. But one of the things you should know is we do these shows, but behind the show, is an entire lifetime of work. And I just want to take a moment to talk about it. I was talking with someone today about resilience, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about what that has meant in our lives, right, as Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it, here's what I come to, just so you know. It's really an interesting place to come to. Mm -hmm. We don't recognize the hurdles that we overcome because we just do things. Mm. So I, I, I was doing a show with uh, PETA, PETA Latino this morning. And there is a Latino uh, version of PETA. PETA is they protect animals. So I was doing mm. a show with them this earlier today. And I'm just listening to the people you know by the time i'm here i've done four interviews short interviews and i have prepped for this and here's what i've come to in your own work megan Mm -hmm. and in your journey and the work you do to help other women heal we are are looking at a population of people that right now, and I, men and women, that when we talk about today's show and what you've created to talk about on the edge of the healed feminine, we are looking at a boatload of pain that can't even be quantified. But today's show is not necessarily to talk about the pain. We've done a lot of shows about that. We are going to talk about them. But what happens when we heal that? Because you and I, we wouldn't be able to show up if we weren't part of a sisterhood and other men, other women on ourselves that made a conscious decision to heal, would we? I don't think so. No. And it's interesting that you use that, that those words together, conscious healing, because really that's what healing is. It, it, it's a choice that a person makes to recognize and acknowledge that something in their life isn't feeling right, isn't working any longer, or they just know that something doesn't fit and they decide consciously it's time to do something about this. 
it's time to change the way I'm feeling or the way I'm showing up in the world or the way I'm allowing people to treat me. And that comes from a conscious desire to heal the wounds, the pain that we are all carrying. I don't think we get through life without having something knock us down at least once. And so I think each person, if they were really to to be honest with themselves, could see and acknowledge that there's a place in their life that needs some healing. And then the and question becomes how. Exactly. And that's really your area of expertise. I mean, this is this is not just a show that we're doing today on the edge of, of the healed feminine. Mm -hmm. This has been a life's journey for you. This has been your calling, your purpose, and your passion. And, you know, I, I, I once had somebody say to me, listen, you cannot take a person to a place you haven't gone yourself. Cannot. Mm. And I used to argue that incessantly. <laughs> I, used, I did. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I could talk about healing the body and I had never really been sick. Right. No, I could not. When I got sick, then I got a rite of passage. Yeah. But why is this time today? Why is this the critical time for women to heal. Can I just say something? And it's not mm -hmm. a political statement. And then I'd like you to run with this. Mm -hmm. There's a representative in the United States Congress that almost didn't run again. And I thought about this and I thought, no, that can't be true of her, not her. My God, she's powerful. She's resilient. You know, she's got that youth of, mm, mm. but she almost didn't run again. Why? Was running in the 14th district of the Bronx too hard? No, I'm from that district. No, it mm -hmm. was the judgment, the open criticism yeah. of her fellow, fella, women, and mm -hmm. other Congress people. And I thought my heart hurt for her in a moment. And I just thought she needs to call Megan. She got to <laughs> get this healed. But talk about this critical time because we're seeing woundedness. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. It is. This is a critical time for a lot of reasons. And I want to go back to our last show that we did last month, which was on the edge of the healed masculine and acknowledge that this is a critical time for both men and women, for both the masculine and the feminine. There's, There are so many voices that we're hearing right now that are calling out for a stronger presence and acknowledgement, um, the, healing, the healing part of what we're talking about today from both the masculine and the, and the feminine. And it was interesting because last month, just before we ran our show, I put a question out on social media, what does the healed masculine look like? And I, I was, I think what I was hoping for was that someone would step forward and say, this is what a good man is. And then I similarly did the same thing yesterday and put it out to social media. What does a good woman or not a good woman, what does a healed woman look like? What is the healed feminine? What does it look like? I think it's a more challenging question to answer than it is to ask. And when you talk about the pain that everyone is feeling right now and when I look at that pain, where I go to from my body of work is how can we heal that pain? 
what is required right now to make a difference in people's lives, give them a sense of hope or a sense of a, a vision of what it could be and what it could look like. And as you were saying in the introduction, you know, we often speak to the wounding, especially as healers, but that's why I wanted these two shows to be different. I, I want these two shows to be focusing on a vision of what the healed masculine and feminine can look like. And, and this, this whole idea came from a session that I was doing for a client, an energy healing session. And as I was standing at the head of my client, I suddenly felt the presence beside me of a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And in my, in my mind's eye, I could visualize these two individuals. And the man, he showed up as this very strong, grounded, present, sort of Celtic looking individual. And he had a, an energy that was emanating of confidence and, and and groundedness as I said and then and then similarly the woman had this very present energy this strength and also a gentleness they, they both had this in fact their energies were quite similar what was interesting to me is that they were on the opposite side of the body that energetically we relate the feminine and the masculine energy to so the masculine is usually found energetically on the right side of the body and the feminine is on the left but in this case, they had switched. So they were on the opposite side. And in terms of my client, this was really interesting because we were looking at how to balance within herself, her feminine and her masculine energies. What was leading the charge and what was, la what was lagging behind? As part of the treatment, after working on her for a little while and doing some balancing work, I saw these two characters again, only now they had switched places and they were on their their, their accurate side, I guess, for lack of a better word. But what was interesting is that, is that they, were, they were showing me a possibility of what the feminine and the masculine could look like if it were healed in, a, in an image that I could, excuse me, that I could relate to. I mean, they could have shown up in any type of clothing, in any type of um, cultural look. It was really more about the energy and the fact that the masculine and the feminine are not, they don't have to be divided in the way that our culture divides them. So that has stayed with me, that, that image of how the masculine and the feminine can work together by acknowledging each other's strengths and holding each other up where there may be weaknesses and working together to do that healing. Sorry, go ahead. I wanna ask you a question because mm -hmm. I, I think there's the confusion mm -hmm. and I didn't think I would be going in this direction today but we're going to talk about this because what you're leading to is, if I might jump to this, mm -hmm. women pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. Can I just make the statement? Yeah. Because I know this was one of the things that you wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, we have an obvious representation of sisterhood right? Oh, why am I doing a fist? That's interesting. <laughs> Rise up. <laughs> I'm going to do this one, but then everybody would see my black and blue mark from a ping pong ball. Uh, it's a whole nother show. Um, on the other hand, we see the idea or the, the focus that women have been pitted against each other. Mm. And I want to talk about this because this is the silent toxicity mm. of 
gosh, Megan, I don't have a word for it. Am I going to be speechless, Benny? The silent toxicity of wounding another. And mm. I think, I don't know. I, I think for me, I'm watching, and maybe it's my empathetic side. I know you're an empath too. But I am watching this young woman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, known as AOC, she has created a love-hate relationship, but what I'm watching now that's happening to her mm -hmm. from others, it goes beyond party. It does. I mean, this so doesn't make sense to me. And yet, you have been there in your life and I have been there in my life. Yeah. Is that what we have to heal? Do we have to heal allowing each other to be powerful and speak our voice. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. It's interesting. There was um, many, many years ago, like 150 or 200 years ago, there was a law on the books in England that said that it was illegal for more than three women to gather together. Now, why would that be? What possible reason could there be that the male lawmakers would create this rule on penalty of death and torture if more than three women gathered together. And what does that message say to women who, who do gather together, who do want to come together in community or in sisterhood or in support of one another? And when I, when I learned that, I was doing women's studies at the time, and I when I found that, it, on the one hand, I was so incensed and so angry that this should even be a thing. And on the other, I felt such sadness and such hurt and bewilderment that the collective energy of women would be such a threat to the status quo because of what women can do with one another when they are in a healed relationship with each other. It, it was staggering and I've always remembered it for that very reason. When we talk about voices rising well, one of the best ways to divide and conquer a population is to create fear and anxiety and anger and competition between them. And this is what has happened with women in community, women in sisterhood. And it may not be everyone's experience, but it's certainly if you look at our culture, you'll see it. You'll see it in our popular culture. It's still there when you look at this idea that it's natural for women to fight with one another over, I don't know, resources, men, <laughs> I don't, whatever it is that they're supposed to be fighting over. And the question that I have for, for everyone is, is this really nature or is this nurtured? Has this been nurtured? And I, I think that we, I think it's nurtured, first of all. I think that women left to their own devices would be collaborative and cooperative. And maybe that's naive and, and someone might call me out on it and that's fine. Let's have that conversation. I just know that when I feel a strong connection to a, a woman friend, I want to support her. I feel like I want her to succeed. I want her to have her voice. I want her to have the life that she deserves to have and that she wants to be living. This idea that that I should want to bring her down or knock her off, off her off wherever she's standing, I, that's to me is not a natural response. So this is why I'm saying I, I think it is nurtured. And, and if we're going to say that, that this, this um, 
divide between women is a nurtured thing, then we have to look at the why of that. And that's where we would go to do some of that immediate healing work is because women, I think if women are taking each other down, then they're coming from a place of pain and they're coming from a place of lack and they're coming from a place of fear. That's, that's not healthy. Like right there is the indication that something needs to be healed because it's in sisterhood that we have a voice. It's in yeah. telling our stories and sharing our experiences that we get to learn what is okay and what is not okay. Yeah. Right. You know, this is playing out in such a visible way. And yet, you know, many people call it divisive. But let me ask you this question. If devices, if divisiveness wasn't operating, what would we need to heal? Nothing. Hmm. I mean, you could call it what you want. Yeah. But when one is hurt or wounded by an event of another, there's hmm. something that has created a divide. Right? Yeah. And my question is, you know, we, ha we have to let the healing begin. And so when we think about this, and just like we talked about healing, right, mm -hmm. you know, healing the divine masculine, we're talking about healed feminine. And today's show is on the edge of healed, H-E-A-L-E-D. Past tense. Yeah. As healed if it's already feminine. happened. Yes. <laughs> so what does it look like? Let's look at this. What does the healed feminine look like? What have you seen and what have you helped women with to answer that i would begin with my own experience and i was and i was thinking about this before we were doing the lecture i've been thinking about it since we started talking about this this for the show you know where where have i come from in my own life that i can speak to the healed feminine and for me the the biggest point of pain that i was experiencing before i started my healing work was in desperately trying to get noticed until I learned that it was so much easier to let myself be seen. And the reason that I was trying to get myself noticed is because I didn't know how to show up as a woman in, in feminine energy. I didn't know what that looked like yet. I was searching for that. That's why I went into women's studies when I was in university. That's why as a, as a young child, I was such a tomboy. I wanted to know what it meant to be a girl. I wanted to know what it meant to be a young woman and then a more mature woman. And I wasn't a tomboy because I wanted to be a boy. I was a tomboy because I liked doing things like climbing trees and playing in the mud and playing sports as a girl. <laughs> Not because I felt like I wasn't a good enough girl to do these things. I wanted to do these things as a girl. I remember when I was in elementary school I decided I wanted to start a girls hockey team. And this was back in the 70s. So never mind what women's hockey has done since then. It was not a thing that was happening. But I watched all the boys out on the ice rink in the park behind my house in Montreal in the wintertime. And I didn't want to just be a figure skater. I wanted to get on the ice and play. And I was at a private girls school at the time. And I approached my, my principal and said, I'd like our school to put together a girls hockey team. And she looked at me and she put her hands over her her chest like this and said well that's ridiculous girls don't play hockey and that was it that was the end of it <laughs> and 
so you know, all the all the way along, even though I knew that I was struggling in my own identity and idea and understanding of what it meant to be a woman, a woman, I still had this this fire in me of, don't you dare talk to me because I'm a woman. Like, don't talk to me that way because I'm a woman. Don't use me being a woman as an excuse for treating me in a certain way or not giving me enough opportunity or abusing me or you know whatever it is. And I did find myself in a place in my life where I had allowed myself to become so small because I was exhausted of trying to get myself noticed that I actually became very quiet in my life. I, the, the passion was still there, but it was, it was a very small ember until the abuse that I was experiencing got to the breaking point and I recognized, yeah, uh, wow, what has happened? I, this yeah. is not okay. You know, I cannot do this any longer. So then I started to really think about how is it that I want to stand as a woman? What does it look like? What would it look like for me to feel healed? And it was this amazing moment of recognizing that the exhaustion was coming from trying to get noticed. If I just let myself be seen and if I stopped worrying about how other people were receiving me and perceiving me, I could start healing. Mm -hmm. And that healing began with a no, not a knowing, I mean a no, N-O. It began with me in a little voice, little voice, and I was in my 40s, but a little voice saying no, and then no, and then no, <laughs> no, yeah. no more. Yeah. And yeah. I and I did that by finding mentors and finding other women who had done it too, so that I could see what that looked like and what I and how I wanted it to look like for myself. Well, let's talk about those mentors because you know we're not talking about something that just popped overnight. You know, we're mm. not talking about a woundedness of sorts that's just happening here. You know, overnight. You know, there is this sense of being able to stand on the shoulders of all that have come before. And, you know, one of the most controversial issues of four years ago wasn't that Hillary Clinton lost. Mm -hmm. It was how women were so divided over voting for her. And I have to tell you, I was taken back to my corporate career. And I remember thinking, well, wait a minute. Why are we automatically saying we're not going to be able to work for a woman? Mm. I mean, why wouldn't we be able to work for, you know, a woman as assistant vice president of an organization? Or why do we say that people don't want to work for a woman engineer? And by the way, one of our hosts is right at the top of that food chain. Mm -hmm. But what is it that gets us to that place where we say, I'm never going to vote for a woman? I mean, what is that woundedness? And let's talk about the people that have tried to bring us together in our past. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the events, you know, the, the, the acts of courage. And sometimes it does require you to be the, the one that they throw tomatoes at, <laughs> um, yes. right? When you, yes. So let's talk yeah. about who some of those people were that came before us that broke through and weren't the most loved people either. <laughs> well, this is where it's the whole idea of mentoring, this whole idea of 
of finding our, our her story, and we were talking a little bit about that last month too, in relation to the healed masculine. If the only story we know, if the only his story, history that we know is one that takes us as women out of the equation, then what are we going to look towards or who are we going to look towards for a model of behavior? If men are in power and in charge, and that's all we've learned, that's all we've seen, that's all we've been taught, when we get to a position of power, pseudo power, whatever it is in the corporate world or in the banking world or wherever, politics, as women, we might end up trying to do what the men do because that's what we are seeing. You know, we don't know that there is another way that we could be in the world. Sorry, that's my phone ringing. I was trying to turn it off earlier. No, it's somebody that's really trying to figure out how to get in here. And by the way, <laughs> if you'd right. like to chime in, please give us a call 1-800-930-2819. <laughs> But you know, someone with I, a great idea right now. <laughs> I've got to interview a couple of the people that were pivotal in my healing and my journey. Gloria Steinem was one of them. Mm. And I think there's actually a picture of she and I, and I gave her an award. And, you know, I remember a pivotal time back in my corporate job sitting across the table from this woman that was larger than life mm. and, and just not knowing what to say to her. And, and yet knowing the journey of her past and what she did and how bold she was. And mm -hmm. she had just finished her book, um, something like, I think it was Live Outrageously or something. And mm -hmm. she had just finished the book. And, and I remember sitting across the table and wanting to answer, ask her a question that I just couldn't ask. Hmm. And the what question, and you know, people were asking her a lot of cool things. I wanted to know how she found the courage to heal the wedge in the women's movement because hmm. straight between straight women and gay women, between straight women and lesbians. I wanted to know how she knew in standing up in front of a crowd of angry people, how she knew to say we are all lesbians. See, I wanted to know where that came from. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody was asking a whole bunch of other things. But that was a healing moment. Right? Mm -hmm. So women looking at other women and being bold enough to disagree, that's been our history. We've mm -hmm. always done that, mm -hmm. and it's always been misunderstood. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So it's it's really about the conversation that we're having with each other and how we're having that conversation and what we are allowing. And I also met Gloria Steinem. She came to Dalhousie University when I was a women's <laughs> studies major, and I was I helped to organize a big event for Women's Day, International Women's Day with Starhawk and Gloria Steinem and... Um, Oh, shoot. What's her name? She's Canadian from the National Film Board. I'll have to get the information for you. She did a series of beautiful films, three documentaries on Goddess Remembered and Women in History. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'll get it after the break. Anyhow, we had, we had this whole event that, and it was it was incredible. We filled the auditorium at the university and women were up and asking questions. And a, similar to you, a lot of women saying, asking her about her story because we were craving someone who we can look up to someone who we can emulate where we can say this is a real live woman in front of me 
and she's had all the same struggles that I've had and all the same questions, but look where she's, look where she is and look how she is providing leadership with the understanding that of course women are not a homogeneous group of people. That would be ridiculous to assume that we're all going to have the same political agenda, the same vision of what a healed woman looks like or what a healthy woman looks like or how a woman should be in the world. We're going to have cultural differences, religious differences, upbringing differences. If we can allow each of us to have our experiences and not fall into this trap of belittling one another if the experiences don't match ours or assuming that our experience is better or more valuable than somebody else's experience. You know, and I encountered this when I was in women's studies. Um, one of the things that we did was we would go out into the community and we would work with women in the community who were in unfortunate circumstances, who either were living in poverty um, or had come off the streets or had come from the sex trade. And our role was to sit and simply hold space for them, to listen to them. But what I started to notice is that the academic women, the academia le level of women who were the professors, although perhaps in their younger days when they were the same age that we were, had been out marching in the streets and had been, been at the ground level trying to make a difference, they had become cloaked in academia. And it seemed mm -hmm. that was a safer place for them to be than, than down in the trenches. Now, in, I was in my 20s and I was pretty passionate and fire it all, all up about it. Now that I'm in my 50s, I understand a little more where they were coming from because they'd already fought their fight to get to where they were. They'd already done all the things that I was just starting to do. So yeah. they were coming from a different perspective. They were the elders. But I didn't know that then. I didn't understand that that was a, that was a role that a woman could have for a younger group of women to yeah. be an elder because I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have grandparents around grandmothers around who who were in that role right and and you know what you're talking about i'm really struck by the youth of of now mm -hmm. uh, i alluded to a video clip it's a one minute video clip uh uh that you know people can look at but if you didn't know who this figure was and you just looked at the words you might cry but if you looked at it and listened to it and what the plea was, what the case was, what it means to care for each other, I think it ends. That is the message of our time. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www divinelydrivenresults.com Are you ready to invest in your best self? Join Sabrina Wright as she shares practical tools for creating joy and balance in your life every single day. Sabrina is here to help you become your greatest advocate and empower you to make decisions that will help you learn to live your best life. Live the good life, connecting your physical and spiritual self with Sabrina Wright every second Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationDocRadio.com. Tune in to the show Heart Change Consciousness 
with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, as stories of inspired activism come to life. Listening to conversations with your favorite authors, change makers, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. Let's be inspired together through my show, Heart Change Consciousness, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to TransformationRadio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the Maximum You. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. Oh, Megan, look, before we before we really dive deeply into what is an unhealthy, wounded, masculine, feminine, what does a healthy, divine, masculine, feminine look like? Before we do that, um, there are many ways people can work with you. Would you let folks know how they do that and how they find out more about you? Absolutely. Well, certainly they can go to my website, which is meganedge.ca. That's ca, not .com, meganedge.ca. Uh, lots of information on my website about my philosophy, my beliefs, how I do my work, why I do my work. There's lots of resources that you can um, look at and research as well through our YouTube channel at, at Megan Edge Healing. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Megan Edge Healing, and I'm on Facebook at Megan Edge Healing. Basically, Megan Edge Healing. <laughs> Type it in, and you will you will find me. And we can do in person if you're in the Victoria or Vancouver Island area. We can do online sessions, personal private sessions. I also do mentoring for the teachings that I that I have, the body of work that I do. So I'm now starting to mentor people individually who want to learn how to do the things that I do without necessarily having to do a deep dive, like with the Confident Healer, which is my 10 month healer certification program. Yeah. And so this is part of a bigger conversation that we've had over time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what we're talking about here is not just the act of healing, the process of healing, and the fact that it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And let's take a let's take a minute to really get into what this actually looks like. You know, what does the unhealthy, wounded, feminine look like? How does that show up? And you were able to find some characteristics online, weren't you? I was indeed, yes. Um, let me just see here. Put on the old readers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
So here are some aspects or some characteristics that could identify the unhealthy or the wounded feminine. She is usually insecure and looks for external validations. That's the trying to be noticed, right? That's what I was doing. She can be critical and her loved ones feel like they can never do anything right because she always has something to criticize. And I have to wonder where that voice comes from. You know, when I'm working with somebody and their internal critic is showing up, I ask them, Who's, whose voice does that sound like? Because it usually is coming from somebody else, but the person, the woman has absorbed it and has then then only knows that that way of being in the world. And criticizing is a way to belittle, it's a way to bring people down. And it comes from insecurity. She is needy in her relationships. She needs to feel loved and asks or begs for it instead of finding it within herself first and foremost. Um, she can be manipulative because again, she doesn't feel like she has what she needs within herself. So she's trying to get it from someone else. She can be very attached in an unhealthy or excessive way to people or ideas or work environments, that kind of thing. She overconnects and can overshare her emotions and her needs. She's desperate for love and always chasing it. She feels like a victim. That is a really big one, I think, the feeling like a victim. It's often unconscious because we don't even recognize that we have been victimized. And yet we are coming from that place of being a victim because it's the only thing that we know, especially if we, if we don't have these amazingly powerful, potent female mentors that could show us a different way of being in the world. Uh, and she usually has, or she can have an unhealthy internal masculine, no boundaries or self-control. Just think of it this way, the pendulum can move in either direction. I watched my mother who was a very, who could be a very strong, very confident woman. I watched her crumble in front of a man one day. She, she went from talking to me in the car and being her normal self. And then she got out of the car and a man came over, we were at a gas station. A man came over and said, hey, little lady, can I help you? And she became this simpering, oh, that would be so wonderful if you could do that for me. Oh, that's just so, oh, you're, what a man. Look, what a man he is. And I'm in the car going, well, what just happened? <laughs> Where did my mother go? In response to the masculine, she went to that extreme of being overly feminine to the point where it was very inauthentic. That pendulum can swing the other way. One of my reactions as a young woman, I was, I was so determined not to be a stereotypical weak woman that my internal masculine rose to the surface. And I was swearing and cussing and I was, I was putting on a, a persona of what I thought was a strong masculine energy in order to distance myself from what I had learned was an unhealthy feminine energy, right? So if at any point, as, you know, as I'm reading through these, and these are just some, some ideas of what it could look like to be an unhealthy, to be in an unhealthy feminine or to be un unhealthily feminine, uh, there, there may be others. And it's not to say that if a woman has one of these things that everything is, is off the charts and she has to be healed right now immediately. It's really more about identifying characteristics that that you could look at and you could decide well do I feel that I deserve love or do mm -hmm. I realize that I'm always chasing after it or am I am I dressing myself up to get loved or get noticed rather than showing up and letting people have their experience of me 
you know, and not getting, not getting hooked into it. So equally, some of the, the characteristics that were being described as a healthy feminine, divine feminine, she is grounded, receptive, and reflective. She has strong boundaries. I think this is one of the most important ones for most women. We don't, we don't have strong boundaries or our boundaries are too strong. Again, there's that sort of happy medium. She is gracious in her strength. She is loving, empathetic, compassionate, and supportive. She knows how to ask for what she needs. She is vulnerable and she is authentic. And I think it takes an enormous amount of courage to be vulnerable for both mm -hmm. men and women. And so when I, when we use that word vulnerable, it's not, a, it's not akin to weakness, although there's nothing wrong with having moments of weakness either. It's really more about being open. And, and again, allowing the world to see you rather than worrying about what they think when they notice you. You know, it, what's what I what I well, I'm really struck by a couple of things. And, you know, here in the United States, they've been playing a clip um, uh, and the clip. And believe me, they've been playing on a bunch of channels. I'm not quite sure why, mm -hmm. uh, but I remember the moment. And it was the clip where Hillary Clinton stepped out on stage and, you know, conceded that she lost the election. Mm. And I watched that and you couldn't help watch it for a couple of days here. It's just been everywhere. Yeah. You know, I don't plug in much to the news channels. I decided I'm going to wait to mm -hmm. figure out whatever they do here about the election because uh, I did my part and so did millions of others. Mm -hmm. But they played that clip and I knew we were getting ready for this show. Mm -hmm. But I started to see it differently today. When I watched it, I looked at your list mm. and I looked at gracious in her strength. Right. I watched that. Mm -hmm. um, vulnerable, not as much because on the inside she had to be crying. Yeah. But then it doesn't call for that, does it, in that place? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Not afraid to speak her heart without shame. You know, it's really interesting when I look at this, you know, she knows how to surrender, be open and trusting. Surrender is you stand up in front of like almost 50 million people mm -hmm. and you surrender to the fact that the election you thought you were going to win, you just didn't win. Yeah. She was confident in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, she was, she had a sense of beauty in that moment. Now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a woundedness that needed to be healed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's tricky for us as women, right? Yeah. I think on the one hand, if you're strong and you're powerful and you come out like this, right? Mm -hmm. And right now, this is the gun that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is under, a younger woman, much younger, but mm -hmm. this is really the, the lens she's under. Mm -hmm. On the outside, you look powerful. But on the inside, there could be a wounding that needs to happen. Malala Yosafzai, mm -hmm. another one, right? Yeah. Can you talk to that? Because this is the healing we're talking about. Just because we show up and right. we all look like Tauruses from time to time. <laughs> yes. Well, it, you know, it is, it's, it's about that self-reflection uh, that I think is so important and self-responsibility that's so important. When I was working so hard to get noticed in my life, I presented as a very confident, strong woman, person. I was intelligent. I was well-spoken. 
I could stand up for causes or for things that I believed in. I had no trouble getting up at the front of the classroom or, or leading a workshop or in my workplace and being an authority on the things that I felt comfortable being an authority on. So people looking at me made an assumption that I had it all together. It wasn't until I started to share my story, to tell people how little I had become, how small I had let myself be, and to start to have the confidence and the courage to explain what was happening behind closed doors in my home and in my bedroom even, that people started to see a different side of me. And in interestingly, that actually made me more approachable because where somebody, where another woman might have felt like, because I seem to have it all together, they weren't going to come and tell me what was going on with them because they didn't want to feel like they weren't as good as I was. Instead, what they got to learn about me was that I had the same fears and I had the same pain and I had the same abuse and I had, and I, I could, I had something relatable that I was working to heal, not heal from, not because I was broken, but simply heal it because it no longer served me. When we see women like Hillary Clinton standing up and having that voice and being that gracious and and just and holding her own and being so articulate, or or Greta or Malala um, or Indira Gandhi, you know, these these women have struggled. They have the same the same inner fears or the same inner questions, but they're not letting that define who they are or letting that take them away from a passion that they have to make a difference in the world. And it's not to say that every woman has to be up on the stage and, and spreading her message. We can do this in the sanctity of our own homes and within our own communities. What it ultimately comes down to when I look at, at some of these women who've been so important to me in my life and in my childhood here, I have my wonderful Wonder Woman right here. I love her. I know she's a fictitious character, but she was really instrumental when I was growing up. Same with Bionic Woman. What I see is an opportunity for all of us as women to find another woman who demonstrates the kind of feminine energy, the kind of fierce feminine or gentle feminine that we want to also step forward with and to find that mentor and to learn, to learn from her, to learn about her, because that's empowering. That empowers us to realize we can stand in the world in a different way than perhaps our mothers were able to stand or our grandmothers were able to stand, or maybe our grandmothers did stand and she's the mentor. She's the woman that we need to look you know, that we need to look to. So recognizing and understanding what these qualities are, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we all have to do it the same way, or we all have to be the same kind of woman, but it does give us something to work with or yeah. to work from yeah. that I think is so important. And you nailed it. We don't all do it the same way. No. We're not all the same. We may be categorized as women, or we may call ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. We may show up as women, but we're unique, just like men are. Mm -hmm. Men are not all the same. You know, women are not from Venus. Men are not from Mars. <laughs> you know, no. some people say I'm from Pluto or something, but <laughs> we're not that. And yet we try to fit ourselves into a mold that we were never meant to fit in. You know, I wanted to ask you 
for the view from your perspective on the power in healing the feminine Mm. and what you have seen and what you do to help people take that journey. I have been so privileged to witness women's healing journeys over the last 15, 20 years that I've been doing this as my work. It is such a humbling experience for me to have a woman come to me to work with me, to come into my space, my healing space, burst into tears for the first time in maybe a decade or a few years because she's been holding it all together and trying to do her very best. And really what she just needs to do is soften as the first step and tell her story and let it let it be whatever it needs to be. Let it be a story of victimhood because we have been victims. Other people have had power over us. You know, to be able to recognize that and acknowledge that and hold space for that story, it's, it's, there's no, there's no healing journey that can begin any other way as far as I'm concerned. There is this stripping down, taking off of all of the shields and the cloaks and the clothing that we wear as we try to fit into, you know, as the song says, a man's world that isn't yet ready, but is seemingly on the cusp of recognizing and acknowledging that women have value and power and we are important and we matter. And so many of these women who come to me have grown up not feeling like they matter. And that's, yeah. that's so tragic. It's yeah. tragic for the women. It's tragic for the men in their lives. It's tragic oh, for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we're talking about women today. Just to remind people, we did an entire show on the Divine Masculine last week. So we're covering it all. And when we say divine feminine, that could also be men, right? Yes, yes. And I, I think that often gets left out. Right, and because... that, is, that is part of that healing journey as well, yep. is to for a woman to recognize that the divinity within her of both the masculine yep. and the feminine. And I do work with men as well. I do have men, male clients that have come yeah. to me with a similar wounding. I mean, the, the masculine wounding, it's different, but it's complementary, and, and it's the same process. It's looking at what is the unhealthy, toxic relationship that you have with the masculine and the feminine within yourself, and how can we create a balance? And how can we acknowledge and recognize what is the strength of the feminine? What is the strength of the masculine? And just like those two beautiful characters that showed up on either side of me when I was in that healing session, how can we complement each other? Because that's how we lift each other is by complementing one another. And then within the individual, it's complementing the masculine and feminine to create a balance between each so that you're showing up not as divided, but in a sense of wholeness. And that's the ultimate place that we get to on the healing journey. And my, my women clients, they know when they don't need to come back and see me anymore. And that's the goal, that's my goal, is to have a client leave my space for the last and final time because she can now be in the world in a way that makes sense to her, ultimately. And, and, we, and as again, we bring her to that place through her story and figuring out the parts of the story that need healing, doing the healing work on those pieces, and, and really giving her the opportunity to recognize that her life has purpose and it has meaning and she can be powerful and that doesn't have to be scary and she can get angry and that can be part of not only the healing journey but also 
a, a way that she can be motivated in the world to make changes for the things that she sees need changing. And we access all of it. And we, we go through this process of debunking the myths, the myths of the feminine, the myths of the masculine, the things that we've been taught to believe that are true, that are limiting us. We start to question those mm -hmm. and see where we can, we can stand up to them and change the way that we believe in them. It's an exploration. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sit here today and I ask myself, what am I learning about myself today? You know, mm -hmm. what am I thinking about myself today? You know, why would I empathize with the Congresswoman from the Bronx? Why would I empathize, I empathize with what she's going through? I mean, other than the fact that we're from the same district, I mean, that mm -hmm. doesn't give us, you know, similarity in what we express. But it mm -hmm. has to do with something deeper than that. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with the wounding that we both have or have had in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why, Megan, you do what you do, because you're not pulling a textbook off a shelf. What you're saying is, I can relate to this. I can help you with this mm -hmm. because this has been my path and journey. Um, I want to thank you for today. Again, please let folks know how they can get involved in what you're doing, how they find out about you, how they find out about your book, and what's your personal message for today? Well, as I said before, they can find me all sorts of different places. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on YouTube. Megan Edge Healing is the name of my business, of the work that I do. I'm happy for people to reach out to me on Facebook, Messenger, um, email. I love email. I'm old-fashioned that way. <laughs> Send me an email. Um, lots of different ways that we can work together. My book is called The Heart's Journey, Healing Hearts Oracle Cards and Guidebook. And it comes out of my own healing journey of healing my heart from, uh, well, that was a whole other show. Actually, we did that one of the very first shows, didn't we? We don't need to go into the whole oh, story boy. right now, but it's a doozy. Yeah, not um, unless something comes up. <laughs> uh, in, you know, in, in the book, I do share what that journey was like for me of, of, of coming to the realization and understanding that something needed to change in my life and that the only person, the only person who was going to be able to do that for me was me. And, and that's the message that I want to leave everyone with today. No one is going to make you a better person. No one is going to heal you. No one is going to be able to tell you how to show up in the world. That is up to you. You've been listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network, providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. If you've missed any part of this episode or want to find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca.